are now firing a gun at your imaginary friend near 400,000 actual restaurant. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're two idiots who drink and talk about movies. Now, tonight, That's the best intro I think you've ever given us. It's the easiest one. It's, it's really just, it cuts to the chase. Yeah. It's what we are. It's what we do. Mission statement. Boom. Let's do this. Yeah. If we were a college thesis, that would be, if we were a college thesis paper, that would be your opening statement. Yep. Just <laughs> boom into it. And uh, all right. So, but tonight we, we are going to have a twist ending. Uh, I don't want to ruin it right now, but one of us will shoot themselves in the face and the other will disappear. Okay. Uh, well, we're just going to figure out which one it is. And uh, whoever remains is whoever does the show going forward. All right. So all we'll right. have to prep for that. But imagine like we didn't actually have YouTube videos and we were just one person doing two different voices. That'd be hilarious. Like, oh, my God. What the hell? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> it turns out we're one of the best impressionists ever. <laughs> right. You know, just go back and forth, back and forth. We can even like overlap each other and everything. Yeah. We're like Seth MacFarlane with Stewie and Brian going back and forth. Yeah, right. Right. But um all right. So yeah, so if if you if you understood and you know we're doing our cult classics my week is continuing. This is this is basically like, I don't know sort of semi-mainstream cult classics i guess we'd say these are movies that have permeated into actual like culture so deeply that you might as well say that they are like mainstream movies but if you go by box office no one saw these movies (laughs) yeah they all didn't they all got more popular after their theatrical release right which is why they qualify as cult classics exactly and if you got the joke of me of one of us shooting themselves in the head and the other one disappearing that means you know we're talking about fight club and then we're gonna be we're also gonna be talking about idiocracy and office space two mike judge properties and uh but before we get into any of that though we gotta talk about what we're drinking so mike what do you have all right so i ended up using the uh, New York beers I talked about last week that I decided not to use. So not really theme appropriate, but we're going with Empire Brewing. And uh, the first, I have two different beers from them because I did a craft craft six pack. First one is Skinny Atlas Light Strawberry Colch German Style Ale. Nice. I like Colch's, so I think I'm going to like this. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, it's just a real easy drink. Not overwhelming with strawberry. Really, hardly any strawberry. Um, just a solid colch, so you could probably down those real quick. And I'm guessing low alcohol content. I did not sit. Uh, 5.3%. That's usually about right for a colch. Yeah. But, um, all right. So, last week, I don't remember exactly what I said because I was semi-hungover when I did it. But I do know that I prefaced the fact that I was not going to be drinking my ship bottom beer, uh, beer that I had from last week because I had a, uh, again, through no fault of ship bottoms uh, themselves, I had a bit of an experience with one of, uh, like, in the middle, like, the next morning with uh, after some after a night of drinking. Ah, uh, yes, and, that came with the uh, conversation where I was like, I have yet to give a fair review to. Um... Yep. Yep. So in this case, I waited a week. And I'm actually going back to the, you know, the hair of the dog, but it's not hair of the dog or whatever, you know, because that's like also a, I think a brewery that we've been talking about. But um, 
they're the dog that bit me on this one, and it's the ship it's ship on a brewery's bomb pop sour ale. Now, a couple weeks ago with my um beer of the month club, I had another bomb pop sour. Um, that one was called like Sour Me or something like that. It was from Dewclaw. This, on the other hand, is Bomb Pop Sour Ale. It's the same general idea, and it's cherry, lemon, and raspberry, just like, you know, the Bomb Pop Popsicle. It's a much darker, uh, like, red sour, almost like a raspberry red, even though the raspberry is the blue flavor on the uh, the Bomb Pop, which doesn't yeah. make any sense. But like we mentioned last time, like they sh- some, uh, somebody's got to come up with a way to layer a beer so if you're going to do a Bomb Pop Sour, it looks like a Bomb Pop. You know, it's red, white, and blue. It's Somebody's got to figure that out. But. Or, or you got to do three different beers. One to encompass the blue, one to encompass the white, one to encompass the red, and give direction and make them thick enough so that they layer out properly. Right. Yeah, imagine <laughs> imagine trying to drink that, though. If you have three separate liquids <laughs> laying on top of each other in one glass, I'm wondering how that would go down. <laughs> like, that's fine as a shot because it does, they do make shots like that. But Right, yeah. But, um... But yeah, so like it's six percent. It's very good. It's a very good sour, but I'm getting that like like lip peeling sour kind of feeling. But at the same time, I'm getting that like salivating going that you kind of get sometimes when you feel like you might throw up. <laughs> but I feel fine. I'm good to go. I think it's just the sour and a little bit of you know of um you know whatever sensory response or whatever it is and. Uh, but I think we're going to be good. We'll be all right. And if not, it'll be fun, uh, fun entertainment for you people. But first off, we got, so now we're going to get into our moves. First, we're going to talk about um, Mike Judge property number two release wise. But we're going to talk about it first because it's 2006's Idiocracy. Um, Which I think this is the most modern movie in our cult classics month. Um, yes. Even though I think The Room is 2005 maybe like three or five I think the room is earlier than that i want to say 2003 either way it feels like it should be like it's like a 90s yeah, movie. rooms 2003 yeah there you go like the room feels like like 90s <laughs> like yeah. just production values wise but it's yeah it's it's three. but yeah this is this is the most recent movie that we're gonna be talking about um but yeah and this one pretty much a direct creation of like the bush era of politics you know and how the country was then and it's it's weird because there are times when you look at this country now where it's like oh we have we have very much not in idiocracy and then you look at you know other things you're like holy shit we might still be in idiocracy (laughs) like it might still be here like corporations taking over literally everything it's like oh yeah we might still be (laughs) so i was like if you look, if you listen to our recent episodes, I I labeled them like cult classics horror, cult classics action. I was debating what to name this week because cult classics comedy could work, but I think cult classics anti capitalism. Yeah, it's definitely like um, anti consumerism, not anti. It's definitely anti consumerism. Um, anti consumerism is a better way to put it. Part of. Uh, part of Fight Club, you could say, is anti capitalist as well, but that's yeah. definitely mostly more consumerist, too. Um, that's just pro anarchy, essentially. Yeah, but um, but with this in this movie, like, first off, it stars Luke Wilson in like the peak of Luke Wilson's fame, basically. Um, because this was around the time of um, old school had been out for a little bit, he'd been doing some other things. It was 
Oh, it was him and Owen basically just take the Wilson brothers took all it like Hollywood by storm at this point, yeah. which is ironic because their third brother is actually in this movie as beef Supreme. Their brother, Andrew is in this movie and he looks nothing like either one of them, at least like with the Hemsworth brothers, like with Luke Hemsworth, he at least looks like the, the lesser version of his two hunky brothers. You know, <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Now, I do have one major complaint about this movie, and it's my complaint about any Mike Judge product that does not include this actor, and that's Stephen Root. Stephen Root's in this. He is? Yeah, he's the um he's the judge in the in the first court scene. Is he? Yeah, he's in not he's in um well Joe at that point because he's not not sure yet. <laughs> he's 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 the he's the the uh, the judge in that courtroom. Oh yeah, he's he's got like um. I guess he's not credited because he's not. He's on probably IMDb. not. It's, he's only in the one scene, and I think he has like two lines. But um, but yeah, no, he's I the judge. I didn't realize. Okay, I retract my statement. Yeah. Flawless Mike Judge product. <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say he's he's the judge in that, and um, of course, then we also get Maya Rudolph at peak like SNL, like she's shooting up. She's almost about to become you know like Maya Rudolph basically. Yeah, this is pre. So bridesmaids is probably once where Maya Rudolph hit that that that's like where her arch topped out at, which is a shame because I really don't like bridesmaids and I love Maya Rudolph. Well, I would argue that that kind of like shot her into the category of you want someone funny. Maya Rudolph is at the top of your list. Yeah, like that's what that category. It's not like it wasn't like the peak of her arc or anything. It's just where she got to doesn't need to audition for shit anymore like that level of fame yeah yeah that's a better way to put it and um but then of course you got Dak Shepard in this there's a brief appearance from Justin Long is is, as a pretty funny cameo as a doctor Justin Long's appearance in this (laughs) that it might be my favorite scene did you notice what his name is and you talk (laughs) did you notice what his name is I've never noticed what his name is before, but there's a nameplate on the door. No. <laughs> his name is Dr. Lexus. <laughs> like the car, Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, so that's one thing with this movie. It's like the comedy. Could, if you really wanted to go at this movie, you could say the comedy doesn't age well. But oh, no, definitely not. There's there's the big bundle of sticks where it is yeah. tossed around like crazy in this. And then there's also um uh retard is yeah. is like in retarded is thrown around the very much in the negative uh yeah. pejorative sense. Yeah. But I'll say this in defense of the movie is with those jokes are meant to like you're meant to look at them and go, that's like Okay, yeah, a really bad society uses those jokes. It, that it's, and I have it here in my notes. It's like we use those words a lot, but then again, it was 2006, and also that is the point. <laughs> like it's the point that they are they talk like that because they're idiots, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's yeah, how an so, idiot like, I talks. I don't exactly know how to say the jokes age because, like, yeah, it's using language that you really shouldn't use. But the point is, is we're in a dumbass society who has no respect for anyone else it's like a much more subtle um version of the misinterpretation that fight club gets all the time yeah 
But with this, it's like if you're going at this for being um, or trying to, quote unquote, cancel it for this language, you're completely missing the point because they're supposed to be this dumb. And it's that yeah. that is indicative of how these morons would like you're supposed to look society. at how these people act and go, wow, dumbest society ever. <laughs> exactly. And, and the movie doesn't work if they're not using that kind of right. language. But then again, like if you were to make that movie today, this movie today that joke wouldn't work somehow. Like it, yeah. it has to be a combination of 2006 and the material. Like you can't make it in 2022 with that material. For some reason it doesn't work. But on the other hand, Beavis and Butthead is back. Like yeah. on Paramount Plus, I've watched every episode. It is fucking I hilarious. So I remember it got another run on MTV in like the early 2010s. It was like and 2011. I that run. I haven't watched the newest run yet. It just started. There's only three episodes up. It is. It and and then there's also Beavis about to do the universe, which is the new movie that they have as well. The thing is, those that humor has not changed since the 90s, and the thing is, it still works perfectly because the jokes aren't on the people that Beavis and Butthead are making fun of. I mean, they are when they roast people with the videos, but the main joke is that these two nut jobs and like these mm-hmm. idiots are able to somehow exist in this world. And it's just hilarious. So that's what idiocracy is very much the Beavis and Butthead side of Mike Judge. When oh, absolutely. The office space, it's more the King of the Hill side of Mike Judge. There is there is one scene in Office Space. Well, I mean, we'll get to it. It's the Bob's scene with uh, yeah. Peter and the Bob's. Yeah, it's yeah. that's very much Mike Judge humor right there because Peter is being incredibly open and honest and brutally honest and like inappropriately honest yeah. about everything. And they're looking at that, going, you know what? That's a breath of fresh air kind of thing. And like he, it, it helps him. Anywhere yeah. else, that would be bad because and in Beavis and Butthead, the whole like reason most of those jokes work is because people misinterpret what they do as some sort of weird genius. <laughs> and that's why it makes it that much funnier because they're just morons. Yeah. <laughs> There's no darker, deeper level to them. Yeah, they're just idiots. <laughs> they're just idiots. <laughs> that's what, So Mike Judge, like people always talk about like Seth MacFarlane, um, talk about like different writers, but Mike Judge might be the most underrated comedic writer for adult cartoons just in general because he's also responsible for silicon valley yeah which until and i stopped watching it for the final season i think i saw make a couple episodes i didn't i never saw the very end like the last few episodes especially like i i saw the i saw all the tj miller seasons and i saw Mm -hmm. only a couple episodes when he left after he left the show but that show is very much mike judge as well and it's it's kind of insane how well Mike Judge understands like office culture and just how like not even in corporate culture and just think workplace culture is kind of insane for how well Mike Judge gets it. And then with this, it's it, it's really terrifying like how well he gets society and. Yeah. And he knows how to make fun of it without just being like, hey, look, they're stupid. You know, it's there are jokes in here that are even funnier, like the fact that everyone is a slave to Brondo, basically, and they have replaced water with Gatorade. 
and now that and then the fact that brondo employs like half the country yeah. <laughs> and when their stock tanks everyone riots because they're suddenly unemployed <laughs> yeah yeah very like if Am- imagine amazon tries Absolutely. to come up with a water replacement <laughs> yeah and it's in like the amazon in this is literally like costco in yeah. this because they have the distribution centers everywhere there are the distribution centers ever and they're huge and working in them is kind of like the only thing we don't have in this is somebody working at Costco that like dies on their feet while working. Like, and that would yeah. be the direct at like Amazon analog. But at the time in 2006, that wasn't a thing yet. Like dying in an Amazon warehouse because you couldn't stop to take a piss or you had to like work through shifts and work yourself to death. That wasn't a thing yet. So this is really just a, a shot at, obviously Costco and then like Walmart basically you so know it's crazy. so like you look at Costco I'm like it, I feel like that was an interesting choice for a shop to pick because I don't think Costco is all over necessarily like it's all over but it's not as densely all over as something like a Walmart like, well I th- and it well Walmart was coming up Walmart wasn't as huge as it is now then yeah. that, they were still breaking like back then they were still kind of breaking out whereas Costco and like the big um wholesale clubs like BJ's and all that those are still those are still big like those they were the are things. big but I feel like they're not like I only recently we got a Costco near us oh we've had one over here for 20 years you know there's like, the first while. time this is the first time Cherry Hill just opened one yeah, I mean, there's Costco, there's Sam's Club, there's BJ's. Like mm-hmm. the, the the thing he's really going for is like that one stop, yeah, kind of shopping area. And Costco is basically the direct. And moment. I love the companies that signed on to actually allow their names in this movie. Right, that's and that's the other thing that makes me because Brondo is not real. It's yeah. it's not Gatorade or Powerade. But well, the joke is, what is that Gatorade? Like that's the yeah. joke, and because that's what Joe or Not Sure's direct you know um comparison would be because that's what he would be used to but then you get something like starbucks like starbucks they Waffle agreed to be coffee. in it right it's it's just hand jobs it's like, it's like, yeah. it's like oh, i don't think we have time for a hand job right now Joe. <laughs> you know it's like well starbucks is like yeah sure i guess use our name wait you're doing what with it <laughs> <laughs> and then uh what is it uh not like it's um not Hardee's. Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. So it's Hardee's. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, it's just the West Coast version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Carl's brought Jr. to you by I love, the, I love the TV ads. <laughs> like, the TV brainwashing is so much more realistic than something like 1985, I feel like. Like, why, why do, oh, you love your government. You love your government when you could do, hey, Jerk off. <laughs> oh, you mean like 1984? Uh, 84. Like, <laughs> I was like 85. I was like, what is that the sequel? <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that. But yeah, but and, I was listening to uh, I was listening to Stacy's. Uh, God, now I said the wrong song name. To station. I was to bowling. I was listening to Bowling for Soup. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Speaking of 2006. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then like every and then there's all the other stuff like they're all like the tax place. And there's something else. They're all just adult shops, like adult versions. Like you just mm-hmm. go in, you can do whatever. And then you also get like, you know, a hand job or something like that. Yeah. But then there's the, li- just the little things like Fuddruckers. I'm sure 
probably was like, yeah, that's great because you're not saying anything against Fuddruckers. You're just going to change our name yeah. <laughs> to eventually say Buttfuckers. <laughs> Which totally missed opportunity you could have done run fuckers <laughs> did you ever see the meme with paul Ryder? no but yeah that would be funny <laughs> but and then what I, I do like the little touches that you do see like um the name of the hospital that wasn't yeah. planned out properly so the letters go down <laughs> like at the end and then when they they have like buildings falling over that are like bungee corded together yeah. to try to keep them up <laughs> that's um the other thing is, is I think this movie might have the single best use of narration in cinematic history. And that dude, that dude does like, it's like the NFL films type of like, yeah, like on the frozen tundra, like that guy, like that voiceover dude. It's just so good. And it's <laughs> what really, what really cracks me up though, is Terry Crews as the president, as president Camacho. Oh, yeah. Hector Elizondo Mountain Dew Camacho. <laughs> Mountain Dew's thrown in there somewhere. But I love how he's in front of A, the House of Representing. <laughs> Instead of Representatives, it's the House of Representing. And my favorite line, and it's I wish a president, and I don't care which one, if it was Trump, I would have loved it just the same. I want a president to come out like after after some sort of mass shooting, some sort of tragedy, and just go, now I understand everyone's shit's emotional right now. Yeah. <laughs> I just want them to say that. I'm like, yes, finally, a president who actually gets it, you know? <laughs> He's like, just talk to me like a human being. Man. It's a little bit of fucking like, robot in a suit. It's emotional. Shit's Everyone's shit's emotional right now. <laughs> It's it's such a and it's one of those lines. You could not have cast a better actor in that role than Terry Crews. Terry Allen Crews, as he's credited in this one, because this was still like beginning of Terry Crews' career. Yeah, um, this was. Uh, yeah, because this was like Malibu's most wanted was like I think the other thing that he might have been in. I mean, he probably had some. Yeah, other this was two thousand six, right? And Malibu's most wanted wasn't that like two thousand three or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, he's also in Starsky and Hutch. Which was right around this time, too. Yeah, Malibu's Most Wanted was 2003. Yep. Um, yeah, other than that, I guess he would have been in the whole nine yard or the longest yard, the longest yard, I mean. Yeah, yeah. But, like... And the bench warmers. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And, uh... <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know that his big plot in that movie is Terry Crews was bullied by Rob Schneider. Oh, nice. Yeah. Imagine that shit. <laughs> but and he wears a toupee. <laughs> right. <laughs> what I what I love is then of course we're gonna talk about him also more in office space, but there's also David Herman as uh I forget what he I forget what his job title is, what his cabinet uh, position is, but he always ends every sentence with brought to you by sponsored by Carl's Jr. or something like yeah. that. He's like, why do you keep saying that? Because they pay me every time I do. <laughs> That's um I think he was the uh he was I think he was the head of the uh the Federal Reserve. Yeah, that's. I think that's what. Yeah, because the cross-eyed idiot is the uh, educational secretary, <laughs> and then, um, well, that's the thing with David Herman's character. It cracks me up when the Brondo stock tanks and everyone's like losing money. He's just sitting there at the table, like repeating over and over again. Brought to you by Carl Jr. Brought to you by Carl Jr. Brought to you. <laughs> like, like somebody we stand in next to him handing him money every time he does it. Cracks <laughs> me yeah. up. But the thing with this, like, one of the even better parts about this movie is 
just how subtle well it's not even subtle it's just it's one of the most ridiculous jokes that for some reason goes so far it starts off with um what is it uh, officer collins or whatever like uh the general collins or whatever yeah. where he's giving the powerpoint presentation on the um the cryogenic freezing or whatever procedure and then he talks about how he had to convince my rudolph's pimp upgrade spelled up u-p-g-r-a-y-e-d-d the double d is for an extra dose of his pimping yeah. <laughs> and part mo- the majority of his slideshow presentation is him hanging out with upgrade <laughs> and, like just becoming like just hanging out with this pimp <laughs> and the fact goes that that's for a while <laughs> so a the opening introduction is just about the perfect way to get into this movie it's so perfect it's the same with and it's the same with office space yeah you know exactly what you're getting in the first five minutes of these movies and it doesn't deviate from there and it's just so perfectly set up the fact that they get left in cryogenic sleep because the superior officer got arrested for pimping (laughs) for connection to the prostitution ring yeah yeah and then they just shuttle everything and then they just start demolishing shit. Like they don't even bother yeah. to take anything apart or see what's in there. They just demolish the buildings. <laughs> like, yeah. And then so I love also the subplot of the time machine. And the time machine is actually a ride at an amusement park. <laughs> that ride sucks, anyways. But what I need to see, I kind of need like a full time machine ride scene where we can see what these morons thought history was because apparently dinosaurs played a very large role in everything charlie chaplin led the nazis with the dinosaurs (laughs) and the un the un aka the united nations but there's like a there's a dinosaur with like a little un outfit on it's like what did they think happened now what i'm more curious about is the engineers that maintain these rides. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see the ride constructions they come up with because we're from New Jersey, which means we are less than two and a half hours from Action Park. Yeah. (laughs) For those of you who don't know what Action Park is, it was a water park where the owner started his own insurance company in the Caymans so he could put whatever ideas came into his head together that included a water slide with a loop in it. People literally died. <laughs> like people but it literally was, the died. The one side with the loop was not what killed them. That broke a lot of arms. Well, the one that did kill the one guy was the um, the, like the, the slip and slide. Cool. What the one that killed the one guy was like the slip and slide that led onto like rocks. Yeah, <laughs> and like he flew up and his head hit the rocks and it killed him. It was the um that was the uh, alpine coaster. Yeah, that. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. And then um, uh, the, the wave pool was literally called the grave pool. Yep. Because, because the waves would like be non-existent and then suddenly surge back and produce a 30-foot wave. <laughs> yeah. It's it's called it's called no regulations whatsoever. Now, but while you can watch it on HBO Max as it exists before Discovery destroys whatever it is. Look up, watch Class Action Park on HBO Max. It's exactly yeah. it's about this entire park and it's it's wonderful. Or watch um fuck Johnny Knoxville and Chris Pontius made a movie where they basically just did jackass stunts and recreated Action Park. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. It's 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 one of it's one of New Jersey's more famous uh 
atrocities, yeah. I guess I'll say. <laughs> but what I'm what I with this is I want to see what the engineers from this future what rides they come they came up with and they would just go roller coaster really tall roller coaster go fast does it have brakes stop being a bitch (laughs) yeah stop being a bundle of sticks (laughs) but yeah it's this 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 whole movie is and then uh, then of course you know uh not sure aka joe luke wilson has to go to rehabilitation which is really just like the sakarian gladiator battles gladiator battles from thor ragnarok (laughs) except it's him in a pinto with a giant rock attached to him because he had a to keep him from running away they strapped a giant rock to him and they put him in a pinto versus like these like giant killdozer machines (laughs) and of course beef supreme with his (laughs) flamethrower but I mean, this movie is just so good. It's it's one of those things where, like, you, if you enjoy Office Space, you're absolutely going to enjoy this. Like, it's it's so good, and it's such a Mike Judge take oh, yeah. on everything. That's just amazing. But yeah, um, and his his grip, his handle on society is really like so spot on. It's eerie how well he gets this shit. Like, and, and how even things like so, King of the Hill is probably his most famous, very grounded material well i was gonna say yeah, Be- beavis and butthead are absolutely his most famous <laughs> no, i'm saying like most down to earth yeah it's because it's just you know it's a family in texas you know that's... but he manages to wring every ounce of comedy he can out of a conservative family in texas <laughs> right right yeah meanwhile like uh because aren't i can't remember exactly where i think well it's, it's highland i think it is beavis and butthead are in the same general area as the hills, aren't they? Yeah. Well, uh, what's his name? The one character from Beavis and Butthead is who inspired Hank Hill. It's and Mr. Anderson. Yeah. yeah Tom Mr. Anderson. Anderson. Like Mr. Anderson directly inspired Hank Hill. Yeah, but like I couldn't remember if the two actually were like I somehow crossed over or something like that because I, I, I don't think, think they've ever done did. a crossover. But I think well, I think King of the Hill might be getting a reboot, and I'm curious about it. Yeah, but um. It's and well, the thing is, it's like Mike Judge. A lot of people, when you have a gimmick, and it's it's you mentioned Seth MacFarlane before. Seth MacFarlane nowadays is he's kind of a hack. Like yeah. it's he's really all he is now. He's just a Star Trek fanboy that wants to do a Star Trek show, and that's about it. He does his voices on Family Guy, but when you watch Family Guy now, it's just making fun of itself. Like no one on that show gives a shit anymore. Yeah, that's the. Good seasons of Family Guy were when Seth MacFarlane was writing for him, like one of the main writers. Well, it's when they but, actually gave a shit, yeah. you know? It's like they don't care anymore. They clearly do not care about that show. That's what American Dad was solid for a while, where when Seth MacFarlane really put his focus on that. Right. But then you have, then you have like the Cleveland show and yeah. all the, and like all of his terrible movies, like Ted 2. Ted might have been okay, like as Ted Peter Griffin as Ted Peter Griffin as Teddy Bear, but <laughs> it's Ted too doesn't need to exist. And that one million ways to die in the West, my God, that never needed to exist. But he's so just. I he, heard of the I heard the Star Trek spoof was actually decent. The Orville, yeah, apparently the. But that's the thing because it's just a Star Trek show. It's not even a spoof. Mm-hmm. It's just a Star Trek show. It's 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 Star Trek on the Orville. But without Starfleet, you know, it's it's every it's it's what he did for Family Guy with the Simpsons, except it's the Orville and Star Trek, you know, it's get a new fucking idea, dude. 
where as you look at somebody like uh, the, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker from South Park, yeah. those dudes are funny in literally everything they touch. When they do Team America, they do Book of Mormon. They do all of their uh, basketball even is, is hilarious. It's stupid, but it's hilarious. Orgasmo is one. We probably should have done Orgasmo on this in this yeah. because that is an insanely underrated, great cult classic movie. That's I love Madison and Trey Parker. And yeah. them, them and Mike Judge are probably the best comedic writing team slash single writers in the tv game and they're and they're consistent that's the thing everything that mike judge touches except i haven't seen extract in quite some time but um, everything that he touches is funny it's i mean king of the hill is not really for me but i recognize that it's funny i like king of the hill a lot of people do but it's it's when you look at the shit that he's done for how long he's done it it's insane that he's today still like he had silicon valley not too long ago he's but i feel like people sleep like someone like seth mcfarland gets so much more recognition than mike judge today right because and i think that's probably because of the negative shit around seth mcfarland's like properties like how family guy basically is just in jokes now and despair also mike judge knew when to end his shows like he didn't beat beat a dead horse with king of the hill and keep it going for 20 years or beavis and butthead like it's coming back but it's been gone for so long hey i'm welcoming it back well and he's also not doing like 12 seasons of it like they are with the fucking like with the connors when they brought fucking roseanne back and yeah. then Roseanne left the God thrown off the show. Like, I think the Connors is still on. And I think it's that's been what, like five years by now. It's like that's almost as long as the original run of Roseanne. <laughs> like, what are you I, doing? Is Fuller House still on? Yeah, it's, uh, probably. I have no fucking idea. But it's like these things don't need to keep going. And if you do bring them back, know how to bring them back. And Judge yeah. knows how to bring his shit back. And that's what makes Idiocracy so much great. And office space even better because office space laid the groundwork for the office as well to like take what's funny and hilarious and make it not funny and not hilarious and yet somehow get just as popular (laughs) yeah that's uh this show is famously does not like famously as it for famous (laughs) does not we are we we that's just the one thing everyone knows about us is that we hate the office (laughs) but i do like parks and rec don't like the office yeah i mean i'm, I'm okay with parks and rec i don't i don't i never was a giant fan but i was like yeah it's it's fairly funny but um all right so let's just get into office space i'm like how's your beer real quick uh doing good just about done my first can of uh skinny atlas so i'm gonna finish this up i'm liking it a lot before i move on to summer dreams which is a sour ghost summer dream makes me feel bad this is definitely, I, I have, I had higher hopes for the strawberry coals than the uh, sour. I will yeah. say that. All right. And my uh, bomb pop sour ale from Shep Bottom is um, still good. I'm about halfway through it. So I'm taking it slow. I mean, I don't want to incur the wrath, <laughs> incur the wrath of the, the drunken gods, but um, is it it's good. Or uh, I think it's Gose. Gose. Yeah, unless you're okay. French, then you just say ghost. <laughs> oh, it's ghost. <laughs> I'm JCBD. I say ghost. But 
Yeah, so Bomb Pop Sour Ale, Ship Bottom. Really good. Good sour ale. All right, so now we'll go back in time to the, the biggest year. I'd say one of the best years in movie history. Because when you look at the overall quality of 1999, it's kind of insane. Oh, yeah, you're, you're spot on with that. And so we're doing Office Space, and next we'll be talking about the best movie of 1999, which is Fight Club. But again, Mike Judge again. This time, though, we are jumping into office and workplace culture like no one else has ever done and it is insanely spot on <laughs> now because we've brought up Seth MacFarlane and Family Guy I feel like I have to bring up a story that's slightly embarrassing but kind of understandable okay you were there you were present <laughs> I was yes interesting this, so as you all know Ross is me and Ross are cousins by marriage Ross has been around forever since yes. I was growing up, and he happened to work in the family trophy shop. That is I worked in the family trophy shop when I was younger. Like, I'd worked there at summers out, my dad's out. And I was probably 14 when the episode of Family Guy, maybe younger, when the episode of Family Guy with Bird is the Word came out. And the scene in Family Guy where they bring the seat, the record of Bird is the Word and start smashing it like the scene in Office Space. I brought up the episode to Ross, and I was like, is this a spoof on something? And Ross is like, have you never seen Office Space? Right. Yep. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and and again, proceed, Ross and Brian make fun of me for the next two hours about not seeing Office Space. Granted, yeah, I was like, probably 13. Yeah, I mean, you don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're old enough to see Office Space, who cares? <laughs> but... And it, I mean, it was playing on Comedy Central every like round the clock all the time, anyway. So it was really no excuse for you not to have seen it. <laughs> but a twelve-year-old is scrolling through TV and sees Office Space and goes, "That sounds hilarious." <laughs> I love workplace culture. <laughs> I love cubicle drones <laughs> making fun of them. In fact, if I watched it when I was twelve, I almost certainly wouldn't have enjoyed it that much. <laughs> so you have no idea what's going. You just wouldn't get yeah. it. But um, well, th- and that's that's the thing with this movie. This movie came out. And everyone everywhere was like, oh, my God, this is pretty much office life in cubicles. It's just how it is. And for that's for people like working in the workplace. Now, for me, I was in I was a, I was a senior, the junior senior in high school. I can't remember when this came out, but um, I was too. Yeah, Mike was Tobe. So when it came up, but everyone also, like younger people, latched on to obviously Milton with his stapler and just the various different, like, well, and um, um, Diedrich Bader's uh, Lawrence as well. Like, he had some great stuff. But then, of course, there is PC Load Letter. What the fuck does that mean? Like, where all where the lines were what we latched on to. It's then when you get older and you actually work in offices and shit yeah. that you realize, oh my God. This is exactly what it is. Like, yeah. did, uh, did art create life or did life imitate art? You know? It's, uh, but now, I happening? will say, this is my second favorite David Herman role. My favorite is in Futurama. He's scruffy. Yeah. <laughs> he does a lot of voices. Um, him and Phil Lamar, who is... um uh what's his name the uh the jamaican guy in that i think oh hermes yeah pretty sure it's full of more for those of you who don't know uh futurama is among either my favorite or second favorite like adult animated show i love futurama yeah and because phil lamar and uh, dave herman were both on mad tv as well mm-hmm. 
and yeah, so Dave Herman in this plays Michael Bolton, and the big it was a my name until. <laughs> Yeah, there was nothing wrong with my name until I was twelve years about until I was about twelve years old, and then no talent asked and started winning Grammys. But the the thing, and that's the thing. Like when I heard that, obviously with my last name, it's like, oh, are you related to Kevin Bacon? It's like, no, I, I had to come up with newer and nicer ways to tell people no. But not everyone is related to the people with the same name. You know, <laughs> it's, it's yes, it's a very unique name. I get it. So I I, I recognize your the validity of your question. Though it might be possible, but the fact that his mine it's my last name. My name is not Kevin Bacon. So, but if my name was Kevin Bacon, be like, oh, are you related to Kevin Bacon? It's like, well, <laughs> that would require the same family to just name. Oh, wait, I think I'm describing the McGuigans here. <laughs> to name everyone in their family the same thing. <laughs> Which is funny. So, I uh, Carrie Ross's wife and my cousin. Her name could be construed as a verb followed by a noun. She is Carrie right. Bacon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like, and then even for her, it's like, you know, it's like, cause she spells it like the horror movie, you know? And it's when, when you have a name that it is also famous, made famous by, by a much, you know, by a celebrity people, you get that all the time. But for Michael Bolton in this movie, it's so Which funny because say, if you met Carrie and you, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you're, you're like fading out. So you might as well say it. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, if, you, if you've ever met Carrie and you thought she was named after Carrie, the horror movie, she seemed like just based off of like her interests and stuff, you would think maybe, but then you meet my aunt Barb and you go, no way she would ever name a child after a horror movie. Yeah, not intentionally, at least. <laughs> but, not intentionally. Yeah, definitely not intentionally. But with Michael Bolton in this, it's so funny because his name is Michael Bolton. And it people can't, for some reason, like, especially John C. McGinley's Bob, like, he can't get his head around the fact that he wouldn't love everything about the guy simply because he has the same name as him. <laughs> It's like, I enjoy Kevin Bacon just fine, but I don't want to listen to his music, you know? It's like, and I, a lot of his movies, I'm like, oh, they're fine, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, but I just did, I just poured uh, Summer Dream, Sour Jose, and it's actually Dream. exceeding my expectations a lot, a lot so just nice. putting that out there. Fucking A, man. But yeah, so John C. McGinn. I've stated previously on the podcast, I fucking love that guy. I love everything about that guy. <laughs> he's so good. And he's so good in this, too, because you look at him, you go, oh, my God, this is that, like, office guy that corporate sends in to do this headhunting job, you know? And it's it, it's everything about it is so accurate. <laughs> but... That's- so between him and uh, Gary Cole as that boss that you just don't want. <laughs> Good old fucking Lumberg, man, you know, the, and that, that that's the thing with the popularity of this movie. And like everyone has seen Office Space, yet no one in 1999 bothered to go see it. Everyone has seen it since. And even the worst boss out there, the one that is completely up their own ass has no awareness of the outside world of pop culture will somehow make some sort of reference or act some sort of way like Bill Lumberg. And it is eerie how right. It's eerie how accurate that character is. You know, it's funny. So Gary Cole, 
three, probably his three most iconic roles, obviously Lundberg, and then Cotton and Dodgeball. Yep, <laughs> yep, I yep. Love, love, that's, a, I will always quote, that's a bold strategy, Con. Let's see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, it plays out for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say bold, I say bold strategy all the time. Just like in, uh, with Idiocracy, I was going, I know people shit's emotional right now. <laughs> yeah. And then you have him in Talladega Nights as Reese Bobby. <laughs> Yeah, Ricky Bobby's daddy, dad with the cougar, <laughs> the yeah. cougar in the car. <laughs> but I, yeah, Bill Lumber might be the scariest character in movies because every job has a Bill Lumber. <laughs> every single one. And they also have like the cake lady. Like yeah. they also have like the accounts payable ladies, that cake lady. They also have the woman who comes around and does the case of the Mondays. Like they have that lady. They all, everyone has the Michael Bolton character in their office somewhere. The dude that like flies off the handle for no real reason or like that, the dumbest shit. And, but they picked the absolute most accurate way anyone would fly off the handle in the office being the jammed printer, Goddamn printer. or whatever. The, the, the one piece of office equipment I think is designed not to work yeah. <laughs> or to work for 10% of the time and then completely shit the bed. But Which, honestly, the scene of them walking out to break it is so good, incredible. The, the best little touch of that is when Michael Bolton starts punching it with his yeah. bare hands. <laughs> the only thing that they don't have is like him having like bloody knuckles because of that, because he's punching computer chips, man. <laughs> There's no way that that feels good or really or somehow validating. <laughs> it's gonna hurt now, like hell. Now, Diedrich Bader in this movie. They obviously used them perfectly, but oh, yeah. they could have used them more. They could have used them more. And I, in a way that, so I think with the way he's like dressed as his neighbor, they could have thrown him in as a security guard into the office as a separate character as a security <laughs> guard. Well, they, then, then they could somehow tie that into James Howard Bob Strike Back yeah. where he plays a security guard. <laughs> Just give me that, uh, give me that character moving there. Yeah, Lawrence, man. I, I love how fake his wig, his hair, and mustache is. Like, it's not even like trying to look good. And it's it even carries over to um to Mike Judge's boss character as uh, Jennifer Aniston's boss and or at uh. uh um, uh, Chachkis, his his wig and mustache are horrible as well. But yeah. it's it makes it so much better that they're that bad. Do you want to do the bare minimum, <laughs> right? And, and that's the thing the the way that bosses are shown in this movie. There is the Lumberg type, which is like the evil corporate asshole, and then there's the Mike Judge character, who's like the condescending. Well, like the like the passive aggressive like guilt boss, or it's like, well, if if that's what you feel is the best, you know, I know that's he's the that, minimum he's that <laughs> boss that wants to seem like the nice guy, but is deep down just as bad as Bill Lumberg. Even worse because he's pretending to be the nice guy. Like Lumberg at least is just out there, like he's a dick. <laughs> you know, this guy's just a dick, and he doesn't care yeah. to listen to what you have to say. Here's but, the thing. Yeah. It's like, and, and that's like, he'll see some shit and then he just walks away. But we also mentioned her, like Jennifer Aniston in this movie. I, I've made it, I'm fairly sure I've made it known here. I'm not a fan of Jennifer Aniston. I don't, I don't usually enjoy her in things. For some reason, I find her 
acceptable in this movie. I do enjoy her in this movie. Yeah, I think she um, works in this movie. And the thing is, though, in carrying out Carrie was watching this with me, we were trying to figure out at what point do, does she switch to her real hair? Because in the beginning scenes, when they show her in the restaurant, when her hair is kind of pulled back a little bit and like split and like kind of like hair banded back, that's clearly a wig. It is obviously a wig because it's just sitting on her head and it's not moving. But then in the car, like it's moving fairly naturally. Like then it starts to naturally like move in the car. And then like later when she flips off Mike Judge, it looks natural and all that. And Kara's the biggest Friends fan in the world. So she was like trying to figure out like when she had longer hair in the show. And I'm like, I'm telling you, that's covering up the Rachel haircut. You know, <laughs> that's that's definitely a wig in the beginning. <laughs> Another huge Friends fan is recurring guest Taylor. <laughs> okay, and yeah. Imagine if Carrie and Taylor were on, on this episode and they were just trying to pinpoint what what point in Friends. <laughs> we, we should we should have them do uh, a YouTube uh, feature where they just try to like Pepe Sylvia <laughs> like the movie to try to figure out where in the like the filming is what she, uh, where she is in Friends. When she's <laughs> that would actually be a pretty fun YouTube thing where it's like. Why, why is this actor wearing a wig? Why is this actor of this major TV show wearing a wig in this movie? <laughs> right. What are they really covering up? Yeah. <laughs> is it reshoots? It's like it's like at the end of Avengers when they had the shawarma scene and Chris Evans has his hand over his face because he's yeah. covering up his Snowpiercer beard. <laughs> yeah. It's like let's figure out why these people are doing these things. But um, <laughs> yeah. And then or another- even uh, even sleepaway camp when he shaved his beard for the and he had fake mustache cop. The fake mustache, yeah, the fake mustache cop, yeah. But one of the other things, like one of the other things I noted that I didn't notice, like uh, like I said with Doctor Lexus in um, Idiocracy, the one thing I didn't notice in this, did you notice where Peter lives? No. What what the development's called? It's called Morningwood Estates. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a nice little, it's a nice little like juvenile joke right there. Yeah, there's that juvenile Mike Judge humor. Right, it's so good. And and then, of course, you know, is today the worst day of your life, Peter? <laughs> it's like every day you see me is on the worst day of my life. Is today the worst day of your life, Peter? Yeah. Wow, that's messed up. <laughs> that's coming from coming from the uh, the therapist, yeah. the hypnotist, but. And then, and then one of my favorite, and I'm just, I'm just kind of glancing over my notes. Like one of my favorite John C. McGinley line readings is this: is when Michael Bolton's like, "Yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty good, I guess." And McGinley comes right after him. He goes, "You're goddamn right, he is." <laughs> <laughs> That's John C. McGinley. I will never not love that man. He is one of my favorite guys. He's like, so he, good. He's, one of, he's a good person. He seems like he's a, so enjoyable every time I see him in a movie or television show. Like Doctor Cox might be my favorite character on TV. Right, and it's 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 all the fact that the dude like he dials it up to like twelve on yeah. every performance and it's always great because for some reason it's somehow still like grounded every time you know because this dude clearly a caricature and a comedic version of a human being but there are people out there that are just like this that do this guy's exact job you know and then there's other things like obviously like the lines that everyone knows like just like superman three um and then you know there's somebody go okay so the monday shit no man you reckon you say you get you get your ass kicked for saying something like that you know no no, <laughs> oh, no. Shit, no. Shit, no. <laughs> but and of course melton and his state board now that's the thing we're going to talk about it and it's it's funny that they have 
the um the date that they're they we have them again back to back. Steven Root in this again, this time as Milton, yeah. is one of the one of the most memorable and iconic characters just in movies in general. You know, and I love the concept of the character where they're like, well, Milton's actually been fired months ago and he's just not getting paid. <laughs> it's not months. I think it's a year. I think they say yeah. like five years or something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, Milton only cares about his stapler and he, yep, that red doesn't care stapler. about his paycheck. Nope. My favorite Milton moment is like, I can bring this whole place to the ground. <laughs> Yeah, I'd definitely put him in storage space B. But um, <laughs> now we have a rat problem. If you could uh, take care of that, <laughs> just get your. I like. I like where he's in the cubicle. He said, "Well, lumber tells him just to get his desk back as close to the wall as possible." <laughs> <laughs> but with with Stephen Root in this character, it's 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 crazy because Stephen Root is such an amazing character actor. Everything he does, he's phenomenal. Bill Dotrieve is. One of my favorite characters ever. My favorite running gag in a single episode of television is a King of the Hill running gag where Dale buys a falcon and he's telling like it what tricks to do and he goes to pull the mask off and he just immediately attacks Bill. And then <laughs> and then later in the episode, Dale's like, I've got the falcon more trained. He's like, all right, now do this, do this, do this. And he pulls the mask off and just immediately attacks Bill. And then they're nice. just standing there. Dale claims to have lost the Falcon at the very end of the episode, and then it flies into attack Bill. <laughs> just attacks him. Nice. <laughs> but then, like, because I mean, my wife and I we were watching like a bunch of Seinfeld recently on Netflix. He's in an episode of Seinfeld, and it's the episode where Kramer goes to the bank because their policy is if they don't, if you're not greeted with a hello, they give you a hundred bucks or like fifty bucks or something like that, and. He goes in, and the, the, the teller says, like, hey, or it's like, hey, how's it going? I think is what he says. So the the branch manager for the bank is Stephen Root. And Kramer goes over to talk to him, and he's just he's just real laid back and casual. And you look at this guy, and like, you got Stephen Root, because it was, like, 1996 or something. So he's the affordable in there and available. And this is what he does. But even in that, like, I remember, because the best line he has in that is after he confers with everybody at the bank, he goes back to Kramer, and he goes, you got a greeting that starts with an H. How's 25 bucks out? <laughs> and Kramer's like, done. <laughs> it's like, just that little, it, like, that little line delivery is so great, and it's what Stephen Root is the best at. The fact that he's done so many other things, and this is what people remember him for as Milton, it's kind of nuts because even though Milton was the original inspiration for this, because he might judge did a bunch of short animated like cartoons featuring this Milton. And that's what it's inspired it. Whereas in fight club, Helena bottom Carter as Marla singer is also one of the all time great, like characters in movies. Oh, yeah. He is so good. And the fact that I like, remember- people- with my, just specifically bringing up Helen Bowden Carter as Marla, I remember going to Universal one time, and they have Harry Potter world, and we're on a ride where she shows up as Bellatrix Lestrange, and the guy goes, hey, Marla's here, <laughs> a guy next to me on the ride. <laughs> he with kids? What? Was he with kids? Yeah. That'd be great. It's like, he's clearly knows who this is because he's with his kids on the Harry Potter ride and he's identifying her as Marla Singer. <laughs> well, Marla grew her hair out, I see. 
which I that I don't know why that memory has stuck with me. Because it's hilarious. I want to meet that guy. <laughs> but and then then there's just the general plan that Peter has because he and uh, Michael and Samir are going to initiate the the Superman three uh, computer virus scam where they're going to shave off the hundreds of a of a decimal a cent or whatever, put it into account and make money. Now the irony is that Michael Bolton puts a decimal place in the wrong spot, so it shaves off too much money. So they are now very rich, very fast, and the company's going to notice the money's missing. Yeah, in one day they make like three hundred thousand dollars. Right, but the funny part is. In 1999, that's like, oh, my God, we're going to get, as they call it, federal pound me in the ass prison. Nowadays, that white kind of white collar embezzlement, it's almost like frowned upon if you don't do it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like white collar crime is just such a joke nowadays. It's like, yeah, well, I guess we just I guess he just doesn't handle money for a couple of days. You know, he doesn't get to go to lunch. Fuck <laughs> <You know? laughs> jail time. He's not going to jail. <laughs> Now, I feel like we haven't talked about Bob or Tom, Tom nearly enough. Tom Smikowski? Yes. <laughs> we just jump to conclusions, man. <laughs> I love it. So, A, I love the whole story about how he tried to kill himself. Where God, his it is balls. so good. It's so good. And just the way it's delivered by yes. that guy, too. That the O face guy. <laughs> you know that O face? Oh, oh, oh. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Oh. <laughs> But and apparently that guy ad libbed that part and like no one knew what he was gonna do. <laughs> I'm just glad to see it's shocking that they kept his straight face. But he's like, yeah, so Tom's in his garage running the car, trying to kill himself, and then his wife walks in and catches him, and she's and seeing her face brings like a second like a desire to live. He so decides he, he wants like to he live. Wasn't doing anything, goes to back out and immediately gets hit by a truck. Somebody slain by a drunk driver. Seven figure settlement. He's having a party to celebrate. <laughs> but and that guy's actually the end of idiocracy as well. When they go to see the, the he's the one that's with um Dak Shepard when they go in instead of filming the crops that they're supposed to, they go into Starbucks to get hand jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's in the jump to now the thing is with the jump to conclusions, Matt, it's kind of insane that no like hipster game company has done like a GoFundMe and like some sort of viral campaign to get this thing funded, you know, and just be like, hey, we've seen Office Space. Here's an idea that someone else had. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's it's this this movie is so damn good. And what's his name? Ron Livingston as Peter is almost perfect. Like Yeah, because he's not necessarily like all the characters, like, he's the perfect everyman. Yeah. All the characters around him are more zany than him. And he's just kind of going through it. Now, yeah, ex- that's, so, especially, I feel like we didn't talk about the other Chachkis guy that, like, as they're leaving, he's like, hey, and it starts fi- sticking the finger, <laughs> starts giving him a finger. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, what the hell, I can't remember that, I think it's, I can't remember what the hell the uh, I think Drew or something or like Jake or something like that is the act is the uh, the character's name. The act the actual actor's name is Todd Duffy, but um, yeah, when he he's got that like like <laughs> like that little like yeah Weasley voice. It's like oh you fucking suck. <laughs> it's God you suck. <laughs> but 
Yeah, it's it is the movie is then of course there's Orlando Jones who shows up as a pretending to be a crackhead, like a recovering yeah. crackhead to sell magazine subscriptions. And it turns out he's a former software engineer. He's an outwork software engineer for Inatrophy. Like, hey, you know all the people we know. <laughs> the competitor, yeah. And he's like, he's like, so you know a lot of the same people. You're not gonna say anything. He's like, well, it depends. <laughs> oh, what am I gonna do with 40 subscriptions to vibe? <laughs> <laughs> There, there's so much like every character every actor in this movie is like perfectly cast oh for sure and for they're sure. they're all perfectly done they're all so well done and just the way that this movie skewers workplace culture to have essentially the office come later and while that was a remake of a british show mm-hmm. it basically does what this movie did now, but, i've never actually watched the british office have you I've seen I've seen enough of it to know I don't like it because it's Ricky better Gervais. or worse than the American. I would watch the American before I'd watch the British one again. It's 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 because I I can't stand Ricky Gervais anymore. Like he was fun for that one year when he first got popular and everyone was like, oh, this is an interesting take on things. And then yeah. he just became that ain't I a stinker? But no, I'm just a dick kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm no longer I no longer care about you buddy it's like yeah host the golden globes and call hollywood shallow pieces of shit yeah we all know everyone knows and we get we get it you're you're crossing the lines that other people won't do and it's like no no one cares ricky no one fucking cares anymore and and then so like with this we haven't even mentioned samir <laughs> samir nine in a jar nine not gonna work anymore yeah, and then like the judge in the dream sequence even gets it wrong, like Naina Jabat, I think it's like awesome. <laughs> but yeah, Samir, back up in your ass with the resurrection. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so, again, everybody is so perfect in this movie that to have this movie be the cult classic that it is and then have The Office take over popular culture for a while, basically doing what this movie does mm-hmm. and turning Milton into Dwight Schrute, you know, it's the same character, same character, except he can speak clearly. You know, it's the same goddamn thing. And Ron and Peter is John Krasinski. Jennifer Aniston is Pam. It's it's all directly correlating to that. And Lumberg is in Steve Carell is an idiot. Lumberg is what he is. And it's it all directly translates to it, which just shows how unfunny that show really is you know <laughs> now let's play guess what the top quote on imdb is <laughs> all right all right all right um is it anything like jaws 4 like jaws the revenge no okay so we're not gonna get like a yeah we're not getting that okay no i'm gonna go with <sighs> know what i'd do if i had a million dollars Two chicks one time, man. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's actually Tom's freak out when he's in front of the bobs. <laughs> I'm a people I, person. I have people skills. <laughs> I have people skills. I talk to the engineer so the customer doesn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> what do yeah. you actually do? <laughs> yeah. What is it you say you do here? But. Yeah, it's, now, it's, I, I do think your your choice would have been an excellent choice for the top. I think they have like 
That's the thing with the quotes for this is they show the full, like a lot of the times they show bigger versions of the conversation. Yeah. 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 Two chicks, one time. Yeah. Two chicks, one time, man. You don't need a million dollars to do that. It took a while. Couple of chicks to double up on a dude like me. <laughs> no. It's like, it's like well, no, not doing a million dollars. Nothing. Well, shit, Peter, man, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing. Look at my brother. Don't be broke. Don't do shit. <laughs> That's, so, again, this movie has just, between Dietrich Bader and <laughs> there, there's just so many people I just love seeing in movies in this movie. Yeah. With, and, uh, and they're all used perfectly, you know? Yeah. It's, and nobody yeah, like and nobody John, out- C. McGlin- John C. McGinley, uh, Deidre Spader, and Stephen Root. I'm like perfect casting. That is the exact casting I want in every movie, all of them, with Nick yeah. Cage and Keanu Reeves and Danny DeVito. It is kind of a shame that that movie doesn't exist. It is, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's such it's such a good movie, and the fact that it's almost like the epitome of a cult classic because again. No one saw it when it came out. Literally yeah. no one. And then Comedy That's, Central um, started playing it, and everyone saw it. Box office was... Like 10 million. Grossed, so, it, so its budget was 10 million, and it made about $10,827,000 back. Yeah, it barely got its money back, yeah. Yeah. but And I'm sure since it's made... A ton of money for Mike Judge, but it's it's so good. Oh yeah, it's, well, Comedy Central bought it to just run it all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so good. It's just such a good movie. But uh, all right, so that's not bad off the space, Mike. How's your beer? Final check in. All right, so switch to uh, Summer Dreams Sour Gose Passion Fruit Orange Guava and Pacific Sea Salt. Ooh. And so looking at about 6.1%, which is pretty high for a gose, if I think, like, if I'm correct on that. I think that's kind Yeah, of they're high. usually around five-ish. But I'm pleasantly surprised because, like, I'm expecting, I was expecting almost like a wine, fruit, like a fruit wine taste with the gose. Um, but the sea salt actually balances it out really well. Like, you get a little hint of sour towards the end, but definitely not enough to turn you off if you don't like sour. Nice. All right. Nice. Yeah, and my uh, bomb pop sour ale shit bottom. I'm almost done the one I'm going to be drinking. But again, taking it slow. It's uh, it's very good. But um, all right. So on to the the movie of the night. The 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 by far the best movie that we're going to talk about. You know, in of this month. I mean, it's it's close and between in terms some others. Of but... IMDb rankings. This is probably either the best or second best movie ranked on IMDb we've talked about. Probably. Probably. Um, let me see. So no, we've talked about the Dark Knight. So that's ranked higher on IMDb. Yeah. And we've talked about the Lord of the Rings. So Return of the King and two of the Lord of the Rings are ranked higher. So, Mike, you just going to keep reading IMDb, or are we going to actually talk about Fight Club? All right, let's actually talk about Fight Club. <laughs> I was going to say, no one gives a fuck what the scores are on IMDb, man. <laughs> but, obviously, it's Fight Club, 99.9, directed by the Finch man himself, David Fincher. And this movie, obviously based off of the Chuck Lannick book, 
this movie probably the most misinterpreted movie I would think ever. <laughs> Definitely up there. Wait, here's one more tidbit on IMDb for this that you'll probably find funny. Okay. Is, so IMDb has the more like this. What do you think the first movie that came up in the more like this was? Okay. So I'm going to guess it's either a David Fincher movie or a Brad Pitt movie. Neither. Neither. Jesus Christ. It's going to be think like of a movie pick. that's really good, but I'm guessing you don't like. Oh. That's most. like highly rated, but I'm guessing you don't like. Fucking Citizen Kane. <laughs> now, Forrest Gump. <laughs> it's quoted in this. <laughs> Tyler Durden does quote Forrest Gump in this when he's uh, letting Raymond K. Hessel run away. He goes, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure why that would be like this, though. <laughs> yeah, I, it doesn't match at all. And I'm also highly disappointed in what the top line on IMDb is for this. Is it virtual Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club? Nope. It's no, what the, the hell things, is it? It's the things you owned end up owning you. Okay. I'm glad that that's the top one. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'm going to go explain why, because it's, it shouldn't be. Every word out of Tyler's mouth, well, Brad Pitt, Tyler, because, okay, if you haven't, if you don't know the twist of this movie, you're an idiot. Yeah. So I'm just going to spoil it for you. Tyler Durden, Brad Pitt, Ed Norton, same person. Um, but everything out of Brad Pitt, Tyler's voice, the mouth is one of those quotes that like insufferable people on Facebook, like quote about like loyalty or like motivational quotes, like that, that shit Joe like that. Rogan crowd, like the super into Joe Rogan crowd. Right. We're like, they're sharing like Peaky Blinders memes with like inspirational <laughs> tough guy quotes yeah. and shit like that. And it's, it's like, okay, I, I, I get it. You want the world to think you're tough. Sure. I guess that's how you could live your life. But Everything that he says, like the things you want to end up on in you, um, you are not your fucking khakis. Like you are the, you are the dying organic, decaying organic matter. Like the rest of us, it's like, okay, I get it. It's fun for this character, but to take it away from this character and try to like use it in your regular everyday life, you are missing the goddamn point. Because now, but do you know what I thought should have been the top line on IMDb? Oh, now, there's a million of them. It's not, what? There's a million lines in this movie that should be better than I that. I know what. All right, here's it. It's a Marla line. Oh, is it? I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I think I mentioned it in the gender snaps app when we talked about gender snaps when um uh B in that movie um no when ginger in that movie describes uh committing murder as a werewolf as like masturbation having an orgasm hearing that like a teenage werewolf talking about that is like hearing marla say i have been fucked like that since grade school it's like now, isn't there like a story by like did was that improvised the alternate line is i want i want to have your abortion i believe is what the alternate uh, line is and i think when that was the written line and then somebody, maybe Helen Bottom Carter, somebody else is like, all right, we, we should do a different take, an alternate line, try this one. And she or somebody came up with the, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. Like that's, that's the line that they yeah. came up with. 
And it's such a better line. It's oh, so it much better. Especially the way she delivers it so nonchalantly. So casually. Like and like everyone, you know, it's it's, it's somebody's everyone's got that kind of experience, you know. But there's everything. There's strangers with this type of honesty make me go a big rubbery one. Mm-hmm. There's Chloe looked the way Mel, Meryl Streep's skeleton would look if you made it smile and walk around the party being extra nice to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you take you take tuberculosis. My smoking doesn't go over with hair at all. I'll take <laughs> testicular cancer. Technically, I have more of a right to be there. You still have your balls. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's there's so I, I, many. No, I, I love that dynamic early when they're just getting off to basically people who are more sad than them and they basically start acting like divorced parents trying to do like a shared custody of these support groups that they really have no business going to right yeah no none at all and then there's then the, the one line that i will at least let the idiots on the internet or whatever use because it's it's a good line because it's what it's one of those lines that will like you can use to put in like life just life in general like into perspective on a long enough timeline the survival rate for everyone drops to zero and it's kind of like we're not no one's here forever you know make the most of what you got kind of thing and like you know do do things that you know are worthwhile to you you know now to quote philip j fry due to my self-delusion and idiocracy i'm immortal (laughs) there you go (laughs) (laughs) and then there's you know then there's just the entire speech or like the back and forth it's more it's more of a, a monologue that tyler that brad pitt tyler has when they're in, when he's in the bathtub and they're in the bathroom and they're, uh, they're talking about their dads and Brad Pitt says, he's like, he's like, yeah, my dad, he's like, yeah, he's like, all right, dad. Now what? I don't know. Go to college. He's like, so I went to college. And I said, all right, dad. Now what? I don't know. Get married, get a job. He's like, okay, now what? I don't know. Get married. And it's like, and he says, he's like, women have been the source. He's like, women have been, women have been the source of our problems all our lives. I'm wondering if another woman is really the answer we need. And that line right there. Knowing who the author is of the original book, Chuck Palahniuk, a gay man, an out-and-out gay man, knowing that line, you go, okay, right there. People are going to latch on to the fact that it's like, oh, men's rights activists are going to be like, yeah, fuck feminists, fucking feminists, we don't need them. Then there's people who are going to be like, oh, that's that's clearly homoerotic. That's right there. That's definitely a gay man putting women aren't the answer kind of thing but then you think about it and you go that's also like daddy issues you know that it covers so many things but the way that brad pitt delivers it you're like this is just a great actor delivering great dialogue and it's amazing how well he gets this character's point across yeah just casual ways that's one of my favorite scenes in this movie is the burn scene yes it is that is that is a very it's very Everything between those two is so good. It's just so good. Because it's one of those scenes where it's like, it's almost like a villain origin story where someone deludes themselves into like this type of philosophy because God doesn't, because the God doesn't like them or. In all probability, God hates you. (laughs) You That's what he says. And yeah, it's. Where's unwanted children, man? Fuck redemption. Fuck. (laughs) it's it's so good but 
one of the things that really cracks me up is this whole thing though. And we mentioned the support groups that they go to the one of the very first support groups. I think it's the testicular cancer one. It's the first line that we hear from the guy that's running the meeting is I look around this room and I see a lot of courage. Tyler talks that way about flight club too. And that it really drives home the support group aspect of it. And like why these guys are leaning on each other to try to get, you know, like these masculine urges satisfied decadent. They just like the desire to just fight and be men, that kind of thing. So when project mayhem kicks off and that cult takes over the craziest thing, because when you don't know the twist, it's just, okay, this is just the next step. The next evolution of flight club. This is a cult. When you know the twist, on the other hand, you know that these guys have been with Tyler long enough to know that it is just Ed Norton. There is no Brad Pitt. So when he comes around and has been out there, we get a shot of him above the building when they do the smiley face. He's like motivating them and shit. And then when he comes in and he goes, what the hell did you guys do? Like, there's, there's also the part where he goes to turn himself in to the cops and they say, this is very brave of you. It's a very, it just sets a great example. You definitely said you'd say that, all that stuff. That means that there's a part of the Tyler, Brad Pitt, Tyler Durden personality that is saying, look, at some point, I'm not going to know what's going on here. I'm yeah. going to act like I'm new to all this. So you got to pretend that you, I am just the same person and you got to answer with these answers. So it's like, okay. That makes these guys even more dangerous because they are willingly going along with a complete psychopath. <laughs> Which, when you look at the difference between the movies and the books, so Tyler Durden's even more unhinged in the books. Like, For the Tyler most part, Durden, yeah. Because he's like, A, he's not as philosophical as movie Tyler Durden, and B, he, he's for killing people. Absolutely. But he's, he's also got a lot. He does have a lot of the same um, philosophies. He's not as outright quotable as the movie version is, but he's got the same ideas and general thoughts. Now the the big difference of course, in the book is the ending. And Mm -hmm. in the ending, he ends up in a mental hospital thinking he's gone to heaven after trying to kill himself. Whereas Chuck Palahniuk, when they made the ending to this movie, when Norton shoots himself in the head and kills the other personality, Palahniuk is on record as saying he likes this ending better because yeah. it's it's just a much more neat, quote unquote, Hollywood ending. But it also fits absolutely perfectly from what well, we So, so like all ending up in a mental hospital leads you to like the issues with Joker. Where yeah, like- yeah, and then it turns out in the book that the people working in the mental hospital are project mayhem Mm -hmm. like they're project mayhem soldiers and they so you know that tyler's coming back at some point like something is it's it and i know i think at some point a few years ago he i think planet did like a fight club 2 in comic book form i think i don't remember but this is definitely a movie you cannot sequel you cannot make a sequel to this no, no no absolutely not it's that's why if you're being i'm surprised they haven't tried but you can't do it and that's the thing, like, it, this movie is kind of bulletproof because you can't remake it. You can't, because there's no way the remake would live up to even half of this movie. And, I like, the, the Tyler Durden twist, like, obviously, you, someone who knows the twist can rewatch this movie, but you can't introduce a new movie with the same twist. 
or you can't even try to change the twist. Like you can't even try to have a twist and like tweak it. Cause then it just doesn't work. Club. Right. Just doesn't work. And the, the, the best part about this movie, and it's kind of like when you watch um, scream or the sixth sense, mm-hmm. two movies with big, big reveals at the end of them. When you rewatch those movies, all of the signs are there and there's ways to tell who you're end up you're in scream who your killers are by the way they work and by way lines now read in the sixth sense you see all the things that the little flashback see shows you at the end in this though right out of the gate you get ed norton saying i know this because tyler knows this right there he tells you same person <laughs> you know we are the same person and i am just going to tell you right out because you have no idea you, you just think it's a clever line. And then at the end, when it's revealed, you're like, holy shit, he's been saying this the entire damn movie that they have been, there's been clues about this. Because then there's, if you could fall asleep, could you wake up as a different person? And that's right when he passes Brad Pitt on the, uh, yeah. on the sliding sidewalk in the air. And I also so get, like, obviously, like the Brad Pitt flashes up in, like, very quickly in scenes. And yeah. And then he, like, he, he flies up really, quick in the beginning and then like he kind of gets more and more as you go by and the it's it's only like a half a frame more but it's he sticks around a little bit longer Which also brings up to one of my underrated scenes where they talk about brad pitt working in the movie theater and he's like the cigarette they call it a cigarette burn and it shows up right <laughs> i love that he points to the corner when it happens now there's also the um the um it's it's the advertisement for the restaurant, the video advertisement. If you're watching that, like all the waiting staff is like, we're here for you. Nobody in that scene is an actor from the movie, except yeah. for the far right guy, which is Brad Pitt. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's right there. <laughs> and they threw, literally threw him in the movie. <laughs> but now, Ross, let's see how well you know me. Why do you think my absolute favorite part of this movie is? Oh, I know what part it is because I put it in my notes. Hold on, let me let me say. Where is it? Let me let me, let me get it. Uh, I'm gonna pull it up. I know exactly what it is. Um, here we go. Uh, okay. Jared Leto getting ground in the hamburger meat. <laughs> I felt like destroying something beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Jared Leto's character. How is Jared Leto's character basically just Jared Leto with bleached hair? You know. <laughs> He's not even really a character. But just he's just there just just for my enjoyment, Jared Leto. It's it's the first movie he's ever been in for my enjoyment. Right. Because the only movie he's ever been in for my enjoyment. Right. Yeah, and it's because he gets beat half to death. But um Correct. Yeah, it's yeah, that that's actually that's not true. I American Psycho as well. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, where he gets fully axe murdered. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, and well then there's the part in this movie, and it's also mentioned in Office Space, because I guess that was 1999. Um in this movie, there's that specific scene where um Ed Norton, Tyler Durden, is in his office and his boss comes in with the fight club rules that were left on the copier. The response to that that Ed Norton gives is to talk about very specifically what he would do to incite a mass shooting in this office. Even names the type of gun he would, the type of rifle he would use. So I was like, wow, that doesn't quite, definitely doesn't age well nowadays. 
But then in office space, it's one of the first things Peter does when they go get coffee. He's like, you know, one of these days I'm going to, and he like pretends to cock the clip in the gun and goes, and that's when the like the little asshole like waiter comes over. He's like, right back at you, buddy. But it's like, oh, two movies talking about a mass shooting as like a punchline. Wonderful. It's great. So, and both movies, you could bring American Psycho into it like pretty seamlessly. Oh, yeah. Well, in office space. <laughs> well, eighties corporate office space, I guess. Yeah, it could be. I mean, like if you threw a, if you threw a, if you threw a uh, Christian Bale in here, it, it'd be more of his day to day life. Like you wouldn't see what's going on, but everyone would be like, "Is he a fucking serial killer?" <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like it's like the regular, uh, it's like the corporate world of price and price is what yeah. uh, that would have to be. That's what you'd have to say. Not the business like card scenes, but like the. Yeah doing like work for the account scenes but then again part of the joke of american psycho is what do these guys actually do like when they work you know <laughs> but, i gotta return some videotapes i have to return some videotapes but <laughs> speaking of videotapes project mayhem goes a bit too far when they degauss the uh the blockbuster <laughs> they, they degauss the tapes in the blockbuster like oh you bastards oh you bastards <laughs> god i miss video it's it's funny i found out that you can now rent video games from the library I'm like, really? I like video stores. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just kind of moving them to the library like secretly. But right, um, we I remember you can't do video stores that easily now because you have to download every video game. Yeah, absolutely. But um just the writing. The writing in this movie is absolutely phenomenal. And it's it's everybody too, like everybody. Even to like the smallest, some of the smallest characters, like the um, the wow. airport guy, like the guy in the airport, when he's like, when uh, when you find out that um, his kid let uh, Tyler, the Ed Norton Tyler's um, baggage was vibrating. He's like, well, is they think it might be a bomb? And he's like, well, was it ticking? He's like, no. Modern most modern bombs don't tick; they vibrate. He's like, nine times out of ten, it's an electric razor. Of course, every now and then he looks over his shoulder; it's a dildo, and of course. <laughs> company policy is to never imply ownership so we always have to use the indefinite article a dildo never your dildo <laughs> it's like it's such great fucking writing it's so good <laughs> that's there's like i even so the first time watching this movie you might think it's slow to start yeah i can see that but it's so worth the ride and then it's one of the most enjoyable movies i think i to rewatch. it is i was having a blast watching things i hadn't seen it in forever and i was having a blast watching it like and, even the fight the fight scene with ed norton and brad pitt is great and then going back later in the movie and just seeing ed norton kick his own ass <laughs> yeah a couple times yeah multiple times yeah why'd you hit me in the ear <laughs> god in the ear, in the ear. He's like, he's like, why? He's like, why do you want me to hit you? Before he's like, why do you want me to hit you? He's like, I don't know. Never been in the fight, and I don't want to die without any scars. Get on it. He's like, oh, you hit me in the ear. No, I loved it. It was great. But my favorite scene in this movie, and I don't, hey, I don't. Are you saying it's not Jared Leto getting the shit kicked out of him? No, Mike. That's your favorite scene. I'll, I'll leave that one for you. You can all have. Right, all right. <laughs> I don't say it's not enjoyable, but you can have that. <laughs> but no, my favorite scene is because it combines great because Brad Pitt, one of my favorite actors, the dude is just awesome in everything. And 
the scene is in question is the one where Lou shows up to the basement, the owner of the bar that they're fighting in the basement of. Lou beats the living hell out of him. And every scene, the first punch he gets is like, he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, did you hear that? He's like, no, I didn't quite catch that, Lou. And he punches him again. He's like, oh, I think I got it. Nope, didn't get it. And he punches him again. He's like, all right, all right, I got it. Nope, lost it. <laughs> he gets punched again. And he's just beating the living hell out of him. And then Brad, the guy, Lou goes to walk away and Brad Pitt jumps up and grabs him. And he's like bloody and yeah. dripping blood all over him. He's going nuts. He's like, ah, he's like, you don't know where I've been, Lou. You don't know where I've been. He's like, let us use your basement, Lou. Let us use your basement. And then during, but like right before that, during the beatings, you get the classic Brad Pitt laugh. And that Brad Pitt laugh, I don't know where it came from in his career, but every time he does it, it's like the greatest thing you could possibly do in the scene that he does it in. And in that, it makes it so much more bone chilling how like kind of horrifying Tyler Durden really is. (laughs) Now, my favorite, my favorite Brad Pitt moment in this movie it's it's quick, it's kind of subtle, and he doesn't even say a word, but I love it. It's when he shows up at Marla's door, and she opens the door and pulls him in, and he's just like, oh, this is happening, <laughs> and just says it with his face. Yeah, and he sees, like, and that, that whole scene, he doesn't say a word. He doesn't say anything yeah. that entire sequence. And he's like sitting there, he's got his arm on the uh, on the dresser and the giant yeah. dildo's right next to it. He just kind of knocks into the dresser and it wiggles it. <laughs> oh, don't worry, that's not a threat to you. <laughs> then, then, and, I love when he's getting pulled in, his face is just like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing that dance in the hallway, like he's when they're trying to evade the like the EMTs, he's just kind of dancing in front of her. But then of course when he's he's fucking the shit out of her for like days on end, and um, Ed Norton Tyler goes up and he goes by the door oh, and, and all we of a get he... the weirdest CGI scene put to screen like ever. I think it works perfectly. Like it's it's it is odd ninety ninety nine CGI, but it works perfectly for like the trippy aspect of well, it the. It works, but I'm like movie. I can't I'm, like it's slightly horrifying. A bit. A bit, but um, like it's like, like, that Ed, cur- it's like Curse the Cowardly Dog. They sh- sometimes show a weird CGI character that's more scary just because it's poorly CGI than it actually right. having a scary design. <laughs> right, exactly. But like when Ed Norton goes by the door and it's kind of cracked open, he's inside, and Brad Pitt pulls it open. He's wearing the dish gloves and he's naked, and he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm just going to bed." He's like. You want to finish her off? <laughs> and you see her fall off the bed in the background. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, he's like, no, no, thanks. He just goes. And then she's like, who are you talking to? Shut up. <laughs> so it's like, all this stuff is there. Who are you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Marlon, Marlon and Tyler were never in the same room together. Like all of the different, like subtle hints that are there. It's great. And then. There's the biggest one. Because, like, imagine that actually, like, with someone, like, just the personalities are tagging out. It's like, tag in different personality. <laughs> yeah, it's like, imagine that shit, you know? Like, would that, like, be having a, I'm so curious, could they have a threesome in the world in this movie? <laughs> I think it'd be, like, a two and a half way. <laughs> more like a cuckold than a threesome i think it's yeah but that will that would mean that the cuckold part would mean that one of the personalities would have to be able to see what the other one's doing yeah and we've made it clear that 
Ed Norton Tyler doesn't know what Brad Pitt Tyler does. He thinks he's completely different. Um, but then, it, yeah, it would have to be more of like a two and a half way because it's what it's two people having sex, but three personalities. It's Marla and then the Brad and Ed Norton Tyler. But one of the one of the best one of the best scenes um, involving like the the fighting yourself and the Ed Norton just showing how completely unhinged he really is. It's when he's um, when he sits down because they have to start a fight with a stranger and lose. And when he starts it with his boss and he sits down, and his boss is like, yeah, let's talk about your fucking behavior. And he's like, I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Yeah. And then he says, he says, and the narrator says, for some reason, I thought of my first fight with Tyler. And it's like right there. He might as well have looked at the camera and been like, I'm going to kick my own ass here. Remember that <laughs> because it's going to come out pretty damn it's gonna be pretty important at the end of this movie <laughs> no i will say there is we've talked about whitest kids you know before mm-hmm. on the show yeah. and they were the opening for the lord of the rings episode um oh now you fucked up <laughs> now you have <laughs> fucked up now <laughs> yeah, fucked up now speaking they of lincoln do, that's they who do uh, a fight they do a fight club sketch where like the nerdiest guy in whitest kids you know is the boss and the one of the other guys comes to work with a black eye he's like how'd you get that black eye he's like oh, i missed a pop fly at softball he's like how'd you he's like i was a college kid when fight club came out how'd you get that black eye he's like you're in a fight club aren't you <laughs> and then they show the basement he's like all right so the rules of fight club are this is jack's restaurant he keeps his stuff down here don't break it and jack's down there he's like thanks guys <laughs> Much and, then, and then the nerdy guy shows up dressed like tyler durden he's like Come on, who wants to fight me? He's like, Will someone fight my boss? And then one of the guys walks up and just punches him in the face and he immediately collapses and starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah. And it's... he goes, Hey, do you think we're the same personality? He's like, God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and that's the thing, like when that reveal is finally done um in the hotel room and Brad Pitt is sitting there, okay, A. If if there, I don't care who you are, gay, straight, bi, pan, whatever you are. If you look at Brad Pitt in this movie and it doesn't move in some way, you're dead inside. You are absolutely yeah. dead inside because this man, this is a sexy fucking man right here. And now, the way what do you he, think the better look for Brad Pitt was in this movie? Okay, messy hair or shaved head? Okay, it's shaved head. It's shaved head. Easily shaved head. I have two different versions of that, though. One of which is, no, I'm sorry. No, I, I'll say it's one in one. The shaved head one is better for me. The regular messy hair, like out of like bed head look, is got to be the uh, leather jacket, red sunglasses, the plain look, then the first fight look. Which I love that red leather, the red leather jacket. Love that jacket. <laughs> it's, it's iconic. It's amazing. But the best look overall is at the end when he's like gone full on evil Tyler, basically he's got the shaved head. He's got that ridiculous tank top on. He's got the dress pants with like the gator shoes, like the gators on. And he's got that fur coat over it. And I was like, right there. That's the look right there. You want like psychotic seventies 
martial arts pimp <laughs> like that's the look right there and it he he's wearing that outfit when he gives my favorite line of the movie which is okay you are now firing a gun at your imaginary friend in front of 400 gallons of nitroglycerin <laughs> <laughs> i love this that movie line. it's like you even after watching i forget how many good lines are in this movie there again oh i'm sorry no that was my second favorite because my favorite is a very very subtle one you might not catch it the first time it's beginning of the movie we're introduced to ed norton with a gun in his mouth asking if he has any final words and he says i can't think of anything fled the movie happens and we come we circle back around to that scene gun in his mouth brad pitt asks him you have any last words and he goes, he pulls it out. He goes, I still can't think of anything. And Bradford walks away and he goes, ah, flashback humor. <laughs> it's like, that's such a great line. <laughs> Which I will say, the ending scene with the buildings blowing up, the Pixies was the perfect song to go with. There is no better song. No better song than Where Is My Mind. There really isn't. Especially had the capper of you met me at a very strange time in my life. Yeah. Like it's and then you just get the <laughs> Yup, it's so good. And that's on top of the fact that this whole movie, the Dust Brothers score, has been absolutely perfect. There's no there's no other score that's been as perfect for a movie than this, except for maybe the Matrix. <laughs> you know, again. 1999 <laughs> was david fincher on both of our lists for favorite directors probably i don't remember our lists at all but uh you i don't remember was. the list either yeah i mean if he wasn't he should have been it's glaring Which, omission, the course. fact that this is not in his top four movies going back to imdb again this is not in his top four known for it just shows that people a probably didn't know who the hell he was at the time or b know him for other things since and be that because <laughs> seven is on the list seven should be number one seven should be number one it is number one oh yeah but yeah, i'm saying is. that came out before this so right saying people didn't know him at the time does not work as an argument because seven is on his most known well-known for list well, seven you can find out who that this doesn't give a date when people named it number one do they <laughs> So people could have very much known who he was after the fact to name seven his number one. But everyone knows who Fight Club is now, so it should be on his known. Well, it should be, but people are dumb, man. <laughs> we have established so, that. His known for is seven is one of them. Obviously. Try and guess the other. Uh, uh, is Mind Zodiac? Hunter one of them? No. Is Mind Hunter one of them? No. Okay. What was the other one you said? Zodiac. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting that people pick Zodiac over Fight Club. Which I actually love Zodiac. Fight Club's better. Well, yeah, Fight but Club. it's Fight Club's the one that everyone would know. Um, one girl. Really? It is Alien 3 on there? <laughs> and the social network. All right. I I will I will concede the social network. Because but Gone when Girl should be Gone Girl or Zodiac, I would rather like Zodiac's a better movie than Gone Girl. Well, yeah, but either one of those should be replaced by Fight Club. Easily. Yeah, but I'll, like, I'll Gone concede Girl is probably more well known than Zodiac, so maybe you replace Zodiac. But I would rather see Gone Girl get replaced. Right, like I would concede that Social Network is 
is the one that is on there because I remember when they were marketing the hell out of that. It was mm. David Fincher Social Network, David Fincher Social Network, David Fincher Social Network, David Fincher Social Network. It's like, I wonder whose social network this is. <laughs> is it David Fincher? So. <laughs> and like, honestly, it's not like it's a pretty solid movie about something that's very relevant in modern time. So talk fine. about someone I wish. Talking about someone I wish was shot in the face. <laughs> yeah. Get that fucking asshole, that robot. But um, yeah, the metaverse. No one wants the goddamn metaverse, you fucking weasel. But um, yeah. And then if I mean, of course, I'm just looking at the rest of my notes. Uh, his name is Robert Paulson. Yeah, another. That should be number one. One of the number one lists on IMDb. In death. This is also not in Brad Pitt's top four most known for in. Well. I could, I mean, he's, since he's Brad Pitt, I could almost understand that. But the list is so fucking weird for his top four. It's unbelievable. It's number one, like Thelma and Louise. <laughs> no, it's a very new movie, is number one. Is it Bullet Train? Ad Astra. <laughs> oh, okay. Number two is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Fine. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Number three is Moneyball. Yeah. I, yep. Like that was like the Oscar roll. Speaking and of that, four I, is twelve monkeys. I can see that. But speaking of Moneyball, I love the current memes of uh, all the baseball memes with Jonah Hill yeah. explaining of his major flaws. <laughs> love those memes. But the thing with twelve monkeys being in over Fight Club is Brad Pitt's in twelve monkeys for twelve goddamn minutes very yeah, memorable he, 12 minutes it's, it's, but it's 12 one, minutes it's one of the most memorable 12 minutes in movie history you know it's that's that, true he is he is phenomenal in that movie oh no i'm not denying that but he's phenomenal in this movie and he's in most of it yeah but it's it's well it's not like they threw in uh it's either throwing like true romance where he's like yeah. floyd on the couch for one scene you know Con- don't condescend yeah. me man i'll fucking kill you but I, I'm actually genuinely surprised Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wasn't on there because Brad Pitt plus in that, I would assume that average IMDb crowd would vote that as a most memorable scene. Right. I mean, like, but like the Oceans movies aren't up there? Nah, I, I wish they were, but they only show the top 12. Now, yeah. Ed Norton, this top is the 12? Like, so the Oceans movies aren't 12? <laughs> aren't I'm, this, I'm sorry, they show that I was thinking of Oceans 12 for some reason, the worst of the Ocean movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they the they only one. show the top four. Yeah, I was going to say. Because like, how but, the fuck do they get 12 Brad Pitt movies and the Ocean movies don't even crack the list? How the hell is that possible? <laughs> I was either thinking of Oceans 12 or 12 Monkeys, and 12 came out. Lots of 12s going on around here. I can see that. Now it is number one. Ed Norton's number one most known for is Fight Club. I can see. I definitely can see that. It's he's like American History X has to be number two. American History X is number two. Prime Fear like, is number three. Fucking Those Birdman. are the top three movies. I, and then Birdman's number four. Fucking Birdman, yeah. But his top but, three um, movies are definitely Fight Club, American History X, and Primal Fear. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's no yeah, there's no question about that. They got that one right. Yeah. Hope he's finally got something right, huh? Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's this movie again. If you somehow, because again, this movie has permeated culture, not just pop culture, but like culture. <laughs> oh, You'll yeah. hear, but not necessarily in the way that they want it. Again, it's the most misinterpreted movie of all time, probably. Absolutely, 
And and again, like we haven't even addressed like what the actual misinterpretation is. Because if you've gone this far and be like, what the hell are they talking about? You're the problem. <laughs> you are the problem because they're not glorifying the violence and the masculinity. They're showing how ridiculous that mindset actually is, you know. And then you tack on the consumerism aspect of it. It's it's it is. Which I, we didn't even talk about the anti-consumerism that much. The, the fact that they like one of the opening scenes is just him going through a a catalog of furniture from IKEA. The IKEA catalog, yeah, where he orders the. Uh, he orders, oh, what the fuck? He orders, like, he's like, when I see, like, a, a coffee table in the shape of a yin-yang and I have to order it. And then you see that, that that's one of the things that's on the ground after his apartment blows up, you know, yeah. he's sitting there. I was like, oh, my God, he actually ordered that thing? It's fucking idiots. <laughs> but, yeah, if it, again, it, this is of all of these cult classic movies, aside from, like, Escape from New York or even, like, Reanimator, Fight Club is the one that I'm like, if you're going to look at any of these 12 movies and say, I can only watch one of these, my choice is going to be fight club or yeah. the room. <laughs> like I'm going to tell you fight club or the room. That's what I want you to say. <laughs> yeah. But, and it's for obviously opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of reasons why you right. should watch them. <laughs> right. It's kind of like to get a gauge. <laughs> I guess it depends on who who's asking me. If it's someone that I'm like, if it's like an average movie watcher, I'm not sure Fight Club's my first choice because despite me believing it's one of the greatest movies ever, I'm not sure everyone, like your average person would believe that. Your average person might enjoy an escape from New York more than Fight Club. I mean, possibly. I would say Office Space would probably be your average person's most like, yeah. accessible one. That or Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway camp's the one I give to the person who's like, "Hey, I just want to watch a cold cat dad explain." Cat dad dad details later. It's like it's like I want to watch a cold classic. Which one do you recommend? Well, how comfortable are you (laughs) in seeing sudden nudity? Very hard sleepaway camp. (laughs) (laughs) How much do you like someone clanging beer bottles together? (laughs) Right, you like the Warriors? Yeah, go for it. But um. Yeah, and it's again like like I said, Brad Pitt in this movie. The irony of one of the jokes in it, them looking at a Gucci ad on the bus and saying, "Is that what a man looks like?" Knowing that damn well, if he were to like when he gets naked in this movie, he looks just like that fucking guy, you know? Yeah, yeah Brad Pitt's a straight up mo- He's a man dying. He's a model in this. Movie. It's 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 one of those. Like the memes, like the joke of like the unattainable um, body image, like memes. It's that. That's what it is. That's what Brad Pitt is in this movie. It is an unattainable body image. And he's not even like Chris Hemsworth, like cut out of stone, golden god jacked. He is no, just. He's like, he was born with the best genetics possible. And like, he doesn't put on that much weight, but he looks muscular somehow. He's shredded as hell. The dude looks great with messy, crazy hair or a shaved head. You know, he looks great. He looks great in those shitty Oakley glasses that have like leather, like stitched on him. Like he, he makes those look good. And those look awful. Michael Jordan couldn't make those look good. And he was one of the coolest dudes in the nineties. <laughs> now I'm curious. Have you ever seen the Lonely Island music video for a uh, spring break anthem? Probably. I don't remember it, though. 
So the concept is, is like they're talking, they're singing about partying in Fort Lauderdale, getting drunk, throwing beads, whatever. But then at some point they go marry a man. So you get one of them is marrying, uh, you get, well, one of them is marrying uh, Ed Norton. (laughs) Ed Norton's in the music video. He was probably the host or whatever that week. He was probably the host of Sunday Live. Well, no, it was, they get a couple people that are pretty famous in there. Like, because all three members of the Lonely Island marry a man, and Ed Norton's one of them. (laughs) There you go. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember who else is. It's, I know the big ones are Ed Norton and Zach Alphanakis. They're the two big ones that are. <laughs> of course. And that was probably because I think, yeah, they were both in Birdman together, right? I think Galphanakis yeah, probably. Birdman. So yeah. that was probably when one of them hosted Saturday Night Live, I bet, around that time. But um, all right. So, yeah. So, Flight Club, Idiocracy, Office Space, probably the heaviest hitting week Strong, that we've had so far. Strongest week. Yeah. I, I would say I would say the strongest week overall. Like next week, I don't. I maybe the room carries the bunch. <laughs> the the room will carry the bunch, but there is there is still one more week to go, Mike. So uh, why don't you briefly tell people things that they already know? All right, so you know where to find us on streaming if you're listening to this. So why am I wasting all of our time? <laughs> you uh, can find us on unless you're YouTube. listening to like somebody on a bus, like play this over a speaker. <laughs> then you got to go to Spotify or ask that person how yeah, they go to Spotify. <laughs> Happy Hour Film Podcast. We're on Spotify. Go to the places you would normally check. I'm not here to spoon feed you. <laughs> we are done holding your hands. <laughs> Sick of this shit. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Damn it. Happy Hour Film Podcast. Yes. Like, subscribe, follow. <laughs> At some point, you got to walk on your own. <laughs> All right. No more training. You can find us on YouTube now, where I'm on an endless quest to find anime Ross likes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I turned the tables on Mike coming up. So. We're, we're going to be apparently my first attempt at finding an anime Ross would like was the best attempt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so ghost I'm proud, I am proud he watched all of Kotaro. <laughs> Kotaro. Kotaro. I kind of was one of those things where I was like, I got to see how this ends. I got to see where this goes. <laughs> you know, I got to see how the hell this, what the hell this I thought that might have been about. the opposite end of the spectrum on Ross on what Ross would like, which it probably is, but it kept him engaged enough until he, <laughs> yeah it was more of a spectacle than anything i was like i need to know where this little psychopath is going like what's what's gonna happen here he's gonna have a body or something in his closet but uh like that that neighbor prostitute check's gonna be dead (laughs) but um anyway so yeah check check out our youtube channel where i make mike watch some shitty movies and he makes me watch anime and one uh, of those ideas is more popular now but yeah apparently ross is subscribing to the idea this week (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say we'll see how we'll see how uh, my turning the tables works, but uh, all right. But on this show next week, we do finish up our cult classic month, and we do it in fine, grand fashion with well, two of the granddaddies of the mall, and that's Rocky Horror Picture Show, the original the, cult classic, really, the original, and then there's the room, which. We have talked about several times. Every po- movie podcast it's ever like, talks wanna, about it. If you want to equate cult classics to metal music, Rocky Horror Picture shows like Black Sabbath, the original, and then the rooms like Metallica, the most popular like example. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> 
why the fuck would you compare Metallica to the room? <laughs> you're, uh, you, you need to work on that analogy because it doesn't work at all. <laughs> I don't know, the room is the nickelback in this situation if that's what we're going for. <laughs> it's terrible yet somehow work popular. In the metal one. All right, we'll do it rocked. We'll make it rock. There you go. And that's maybe, much better. Make Rocky Horror Picture Show like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones and then make the room nickelback. Yeah, yeah, much, much more apt, uh, uh, thing. It was not, the not so much a qual- it was not so much a quality comparison as it is a popularity comparison. I was gonna say, it was a flawed comparison when you started with heavy metal because Black Sabbath originated heavy metal. Metallica is the most popular metal band of all time. And both are very good Which, at what they do. I will say Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show originated the cult classic, and The Room might be the most popular cult classic of all time. Right, but when you, when, when we will get to it, but when you think about it, Rocky Horror is more like The Beatles because it sucks. <laughs> and The Room is more like Nickelback because it sucks, but it was popular as hell for, it's popular as hell for some reason. And then, of course, we're going to talk about Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which you can't really even equate to anything. That's more like Guar than anything. Like, that's yeah. just this mysterious band that people love but really shouldn't, but do because it's lovable somehow. You know? It's one of those weird anomalies that just somehow is popular, and yet no one no one has really heard of it. That's the thing. <laughs> it's like Guar people, I'm sure, know about. They just don't really like consciously know that they oh, know wait. about them. <laughs> what, what if Killer Clowns was like Power Man 5000? <laughs> It would be a hell of a lot more popular movie, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but until next week, when we talk about Rocky Horror, uh, The Room, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. We'll see you guys next time. So long.